Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating, so you can feel free to drift off. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Nidhi Kana, and today we have a very special guest in studio with us, Amanda Barker. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, some of you might remember some of our listeners who've been subscribing to our podcast that every time Marco and I have a conversation, somehow the conversation leads back to um, Amanda in some way or another, either through referencing their wedding and speaking about flowers or talking about the long drives in the summer that Amanda and I take in terms of our country antiquing adventures. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Amanda, you're a fan of candles, aren't you? I am. I love candles. What is it about a candle that is so appealing to you? Um, well, I think fire being one of the uh, most basic uh, elements of the earth, fire, wind, uh, water, and rock, I think fire is one of those elements that every human responds to in a very visceral um, way. I, I feel like whether it's one flame or a bonfire or a fireplace, it, there's something about a flame that allows people to connect and to just slow down and take pause. And that's what I really love about candles. And do you... Because I like to, at the end of the day, light a candle, mm-hmm. whether I'm enjoying a glass of wine or there's something that is part of my ritual in terms of coming home at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I need to light a candle. There's something that makes the atmosphere a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a particular scent that you gravitate towards? I tend to like a nice sandalwood. A oh, sandalwood? Yeah, something musky or patchouli-based. Um, that said, I do find some candles are particularly strong, so I'm not always in love with uh, a very strong candle. Perfume in general uh, makes my throat close up, so mm-hmm. I have to be very careful when I'm using scents. Well, you t- you spoke a moment ago about bonfires. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about a time when you were at a bonfire and what the situation was that brought you there? Sure. 
last bonfire I can readily remember was uh, I was in New Hampshire in uh, at a bonfire just outside of Concord, New Hampshire, which is the capital of New Hampshire. And I uh, had a good friend whose father lived there in a really fun uh, sort of cottage in the woods. He's an artist, his father is, and he makes large wood sculptures. So we were in this sort of wooded area surrounded by wooden art and some stone art as well. And uh, his father threw us a very big bonfire. Now, I was in New Hampshire because I was performing in a show at the time. And uh, because it was one of my fellow actors' hometowns, his dad offered to host us all with a really big roaring fire outside. I should add that it was in January, so there was snow, but uh, we were really warm because the fire was quite large. I love bonfires in the winter. I feel like there's something about the smell of a bonfire mm-hmm. and the um, the the burning wood just somehow makes winter seem like it, it it's a winter smell. That's right. Cozy. A, yeah, mm-hmm. cozy. Yeah. Um, but that being said, give me a bonfire by the beach any day. Mm-hmm. Now, your parents, they live in Florida. Are there a lot of bonfires in Florida? Well, there's some heavy restrictions for burning in Florida because um, the, a lot of the land where they live is quite protected. They live um, literally a stone's throw from a bird sanctuary. So they have to be very careful. You can't just have a fire anywhere. Um, so for them, they don't normally engage in bonfires, but... They do have, I believe, uh, an open flame uh, pit outside in a sort of secluded area underneath some palm trees, and sometimes we'll have some fire roaring there. And are marshmallows still part of the bonfire ritual? Um, Not for my dad, because he's diabetic. Oh, well, we don't want that. For my mother, and for me, and my brother and sister when they find time to come, which isn't very often. Well, family's family. Amanda, tell me, what is your favorite beach? Oh, wow. There are so many. I love beaches. One of my favorite beaches is Cinnamon Bay uh, on the island of St. John. St. John is an American Virgin Island. It's one of the few American Virgin Islands. There's St. John, St. Thomas, and St. Croix. But St. John is actually the smallest and hardest to get to and most secluded. The majority of St. John is a national park. So there are three beautiful, well-known beaches on St. John. And the middle beach is Cinnamon Bay, and that's my particular favorite. The snorkeling there is gorgeous and serene. It's very often that you can have the beach to yourself, which is magical. And uh, it's not unusual to see many types of fish uh, when you're snorkeling in that water. Highly recommended. Not easy to get to, but a beautiful beach all the same. Now, Cinnamon Bay, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you are aware, but in a previous podcast episode... Um, your husband and I were discussing 
um, the ingredients in what would make the best official cookie for the city of Toronto. Oh, interesting. And one of those ingredients that we decided would be really, really important to have in there would actually be cinnamon. Mm -hmm. The um, spiciness and the warmness. Mm -hmm. I feel I need to ask you, what do you feel would be the best ingredient for Toronto's official cookie? Uh, I think oatmeal. I think Toronto is an oatmeal cookie type of city because oatmeal is both healthy but can also be sweet. And I believe that Toronto is a very health-conscious city but also enjoys its treats. So for me, it would be maybe an oatmeal raisin chocolate chip. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You've got a bit of the sweet and savory in there a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a preference between sweet and savory? I like them together myself. Really? Mm -hmm. I'm a, I used to be a sweet tooth per person. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't... Um, go the without a at the end of a meal after dinner. Mm -hmm. I would always need something sweet. Mm -hmm. But something happened to me a few years ago, and all of a sudden, I turned into a savory person. Interesting. And instead of going for the sweet, I would go for the potato chips or the mm -hmm. pretzels or mm -hmm. something um, um, like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if I cleansed my body of sweet food or I just I found when I stopped taking sugar in my coffee oh, I see. that I didn't crave sweets mm -hmm. as much and mm -hmm. I found things to be too sugary after that mm -hmm. did you ever have you ever encountered a, a similar type of thing or gone through a change in diet that oh, wow. has created a different taste for you I have been told that craving sweet and savory together um, can be uh, a symptom of an electrolyte imbalance Oh. Electrolytes, uh, essentially, uh, can be salts and sugars. And there's something that people recommend if someone's been sick or ill in any way or had any digestive problem, that they simply use salt and sugar to, you know, uh, retain or um, contribute to their electrolyte balance. So... For me, um, I do find that when I have sweet and savory together, then I do crave it more, whether it be fries dipped in honey, which is one of my personal favorites. Really? Mm-hmm. So yeah. how, did, how did you discover that concoction? Well, um, when I was a child, I never ate beef, but I would eat chicken, chicken nuggets. And the first thing that I was ever given with my chicken nuggets was honey. So as a child, oh. this idea of chicken tenders, chicken fingers, or chicken nuggets with honey was something that would become my go-to at various restaurants. Not unlike most children, I think. Uh, as I got older, I would get chicken nuggets with fries, and then I wouldn't just dip the chicken nuggets into honey. I would dip the fries in as well, and I still do to this day. That is uh, interesting. I think I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. That's You'll it. never go back once you try it. Is honey a staple in your diet? It absolutely is. And actually, both my mother and grandmother, by the time they were my age, had um, seasonal allergies, which I can say with some certainty that I haven't really experienced, certainly not to any type of um, uh, any type of way that it would be noticeable, certainly by me or anyone else. And I think that possibly one of the reasons I've managed to 
fight um, growing allergies, seasonal allergies in my later adulthood is because I do try to have the honey of any region that I'm in and I try to sample many different types of honey. For example, when I was visiting Mexico City, the honey there tastes like rose petals. Really? Mm-hmm. You could tell that the bees uh, had had a wide variety of, of rose pollen when making the honey. Whereas here in Toronto, um, you're more apt to find uh, a wildflower honey from the wildflowers that grow in um, the rural parts of Ontario, and even not the rural parts of Ontario. Do you have a favorite type or like a favorite region to get your honey from? It's hmm, a good question. When I was in Georgia, I really, I really loved the honey there. There was some beautiful, thick buckwheat honey that I really, really loved in Savannah, Georgia. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have you ever tried Portuguese honey? No, I haven't. So we uh, used to have Portuguese honey because it was less sweet. Interesting. Um, and it's actually supposed to be very good for for the skin. Oh, interesting. Uh, because honey as you may know, has uh, natural antibacterial mm-hmm. properties, which mm-hmm. is why it's used in so many different, um, you know, face masks and, and exfoliants, mm-hmm. etc. when mm-hmm. you're making them at home. But this Portuguese honey um, is, uh, you, you drink it with a, as, a, as a concoction with hot water in the morning, mm-hmm. and it completely cleanses your skin. Um, now I'm curious, would yeah. you have it? When I was a child, I discovered a concoction of warm water or cold water, honey, vinegar, and lemon. Is this something you've ever tried? Now, I've done the warm water, honey, and lemon. I've never had it with vinegar. It's uh, That definitely speaks to a sweet and savory balance or possibly imbalance. I've been told that some people who have an overgrowth of, of yeast in their body... Uh, might want both sweet and savory at the same time, and people will crave this, this sort of the acidity of, of vinegar with the sweetness of the honey. I'm not sure, but when I was about 10, I read a book on beekeeping, and um, this was uh, the drink that was the recipe in the in the school book. So I went home, and I went into my parents' fridge and found the vinegar and found the honey in the cupboard, and made it myself and it's still to this day something that I crave really Mm -hmm. now speaking of beekeeping Mm -hmm. so we've talked about um different things that Marco and I did when we were children so Mm -hmm. we talked about our fascination with stamp collecting Mm -hmm. Uh, we talked about how we all both wanted to go into medicine and ended up in the arts Mm -hmm. did you ever want to become a beekeeper and it's funny that you asked that and actually I want to thank you for that because you've just reminded me there's a a beekeeping course offered by the city of Toronto that actually I very much want to take and a friend of mine who I've worked with twice um, her name is Boyana and she is from the Ukraine she's a makeup artist I worked with her on a commercial and then I ran into her on another commercial much later and she told me about this beekeeping course that she was going to take and um, it reminded me just now that I'd like to get the information on it and maybe keep a few bees in my backyard now that would be 
I guess, fascinating and dangerous at the same time, or... It would be for my neighbors, certainly. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. But what did you want to be when you were a child? Like, what was your... What did you think you wanted to my be My first ambition was to be, I think... Um, I think my first ambition was to be a ballet dancer. Ah, yes, because you were a big dancer when yeah. you were a child. Yeah. I uh, loved to dance, and I loved ballet in particular, and I loved the um, this idea of, of um, the pain that it took to get there, and that if I just worked hard enough that maybe I could get there. But when I was about 10, 11, maybe 12, I realized that what I really truly enjoyed was the storytelling aspect of dance. And so I thought that perhaps I didn't have really what it took to become, you know, a lead dancer, prima ballerina, if you will. And um, so I hung up my toe shoes. Uh, I also moved at that time, so furthering my career in dance wasn't really an option. And uh, instead I focused more on acting and performing, and I've never looked back. Is there, um, other than ballet, like, is there a contemporary dance that you prefer? Hmm. Well, ballet was always my first love. I loved tap, but I was always told I wasn't very good at it. So, um, but I, I do love it. Uh, I actually always wanted to, and I took a few classes. I wanted to learn to break dance. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was a mascot, a professional mascot, and I always wanted to be able to, you know, whip out some smooth um, break, dancing. break dancing moves as a mascot. Never really got that good. My upper body strength isn't really good at all so it was hard for me to to do any of the holds but I did enjoy it all the same I um have you ever tried these bar classes which are ballet fitness classes you know I don't think I have done a I've certainly done bar but I I don't think I've done a ballet class in a fitness facility not not in recent memory although I do have a friend who is uh going to start a training course to teach it in fact well I've done it a couple of times Amanda I'm mm-hmm. gonna say it is one of the most intense things that I have ever experienced That's in my I've life heard, yeah. um and it's funny because you go in there and you think oh I'm just kind of taking a dance class mm-hmm. but I felt pain <laughs> from muscles I didn't realize mm-hmm. that I had mm-hmm. with those ballet classes but I want to just circle back quickly and talk about your time as a mascot. Sure. Um, what was your favorite memory from being a mascot? Well, my favorite memory, I have a lot. Um, I have a few different favorite memories, but one of them, I guess, would be um, there was a baseball player named Roy Holiday. Uh, he still plays. And that particular year that I was working with the Toronto Blue Jays, he had pitched, um, I don't remember the number, but a series of no-hitter games, meaning that uh, he, none of the people on the other team could hit the ball when he was pitching. And that went on for many, many games. And finally, when he hit, uh, got to a certain number, and I don't remember the number, uh, it was pretty clear that he would win something called the Cy Young Award, which is award reserved for pitchers in baseball and major league baseball and so many news outlets were interviewing him after the game he was sitting there and I ran up behind him 
and did a sort of bow as though I... As the mascot. As the mascot. As though I was not worthy, that none of us were worthy kind of thing. And um, in my ear, I could hear the head of Game Ops saying, Diamond, which was my character's name, Diamond, get out of the shot. Diamond, get out of the shot. But I ignored it, and I kept going anyway, because I knew that the character would not be there much longer. And I wanted her to have her moment in the sun. And frankly, at that moment, I didn't much care. (laughs) That is a good memory. (laughs) I have another wonderful memory. Tell us. I need to continue. Yeah. Um, There was another player, if anyone follows Toronto baseball, then this might have meaning to them, but there was a pitching coach in the Blue Jays' dugout. And when I say in the dugout, I don't mean the part that one can visibly see, but rather the part of the dugout where one walks down into the sort of basement area and people wait and warm up and whatever. And often that's where the mascots go. So I had to go out for the seventh inning, but as anyone knows, an inning in baseball can take, you know, five minutes or an hour. It's anyone's guess. So I had to be in costume waiting to go, but often I'd be there standing for quite a long time. And then as the season wore on, I started playing something I called the name game with one of the security guards, where we would try to come up with baseball players' names. So, for example... If Roy Halliday was the baseball player, then the next name would have to begin with H, a Howard or Hal or that type of thing. Anyhow, uh, we would play that, and uh, we weren't particularly good at it. I only knew the players that I had met or had seen playing. And this very large, kind man started playing with us. I knew he worked with the team. I didn't know who he was. But he was very good at the game. He knew a lot of players' names. And as the season wore on, finally, by the end of the season, I realized that I had been playing the name game every day with uh, a man named Cito Gaston, who, to this day, is probably my favorite player in basketball. In baseball, sorry. Although, maybe he could play basketball, too. I'm not sure. Very lovely man, Cito Gaston. And so, with this lovely mascot, because what a wonderful experience, like mm-hmm. a once-in-a-lifetime experience that... Mm-hmm. You had. Um, tell me about the conversation when you found out that this mascot was no longer going to be used. Well, it was ten minutes before the home opening game. I was getting my costume on. I was about to fasten my hat on. And I was pulled aside and said, just so you know, this character won't, won't continue after this season. We're phasing her out. We want you to know that because we want you to know that it has nothing to do with you. But we won't be featuring her, featuring her as much. So if you notice that the other mascot has more to do or is more in the spotlight, we just thought we should warn you ahead of time. And it felt like someone had punched me in the gut. Mm. I was sad. And I was about to go perform for 60,000 people. But then I realized what it really meant was that I could do whatever I wanted. So for that example, with Roy Holiday, when people told me to get out of the shot, I just continued onward. And then at the end of the season, they decided they'd changed their mind because I had done such a good job with it. They wanted me to continue. Unfortunately, at that moment, I had accepted a new job with the second city, so I wasn't able to commit to the role in the way that would have been a full 
a full committing of the role, and so they had to work around my existing schedule, which was, to be honest, really only working on Sundays. So the mascot sort of faded out the next year when I could only do a series of Sundays, and then after that, she was no more. Well, it looks like you um, left there with them wanting more. Well, that's true, and I always hope that maybe someday they'll bring the character back, because little girls really loved her and loved getting her autograph and seeing something that... Can you describe what she looked like? Like, what was the what was the mascot costume? So her name was Diamond. Uh, she was blue, because it was for the Toronto Blue Jays. She had a series of different pants. When they started the character, she had white sort of old-timey baseball pants with little red um, ribbon around the edges. But by the time I came along, I was the third diamond, third person playing that role. And uh, there were no white pants left for me, or they didn't fit me, I think. The other girls were much tinier than me. And so I just wore blue pants that actually I still have. Blue pants uh, that were like... um, running pants almost with stripes down the side and that's what I wore then I wore a big white baseball shirt and I had eyelashes big big eyes and eyelashes and a mechanical device in my hand that would make one of the eyes wink at people although it didn't work most of the time yeah and and a big red flower in my hair wow Mm -hmm. and um children would gravitate now now mm-hmm. when you're playing a mascot it, is it kind of like playing Santa Claus in that you can never really like uh, is it you never want the children to know that the mascot right. isn't a mascot I see yeah well the interesting thing was yeah I, I respected that I definitely would never have taken you know my head off and anywhere in public uh, but the interesting thing was you would be playing with some kids or some people maybe many times throughout the, the game and I would always take the subway home I didn't have a car in those days so I would take the subway home and I'd often sit across or next to the kids that I'd been playing but they had no idea who I was and i just smile at them Well Amanda, thank you so much for being here with me today it's mm-hmm. been such a pleasure thank you um i've learned a lot about mascotting mm-hmm. and about sweet and savory mm-hmm. um and uh we hope to have you back again soon well i'm here anytime thank you so much for listening and if you have anything that you would like to tweet to contact us please uh do uh, find us online at listen and sleep uh, marco will be back next episode And as usual, we are broadcasting from Toronto, and we hope that you have relaxed, are in a deep, deep slumber, and we'll see you next time.